Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. The decision is yours. By Tawfiq Ar-Rifai, Book 1, Part 11. Page 283. Dr. Dreamer. Even if all these question marks that you have mentioned about the Gospels and their weakness are valid, mere doubt does not mean that they are invalid, and mere doubt does not cancel our reality as we see it in the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels. A certain book may be buried for a while, then that book emerges and the buried reality will be manifest. Abu Hamid. But what if all this time passes and the hidden reality does not emerge? What if all these centuries have passed and the doubts have only increased in severity? What is the fault of all these masses who have lived and died since the Gospels were altered until today and they died without knowing this reality? Indeed, they died having been deceived about the most important issue. Is it right for us to close our eyes to all these important questions and definitive evidence of distortion on the basis that that doubt does not imply invalidity? Why don't you say that facts cannot be built on doubt and rights cannot be given on the basis of doubt? Do you think that I have contradicted reason in any matter? There is something that the Muslims have uh, have. There is something that the Muslims have which does not have to do with the Quran, rather it has to do with the narration of the hadiths of Prophet Muhammad, peace and a blessing for be upon him. That is that they do not accept anything that was narrated from the Prophet Muhammad, Muhammad unless it has a sound chain of narrators, which means that they should know the chain of narration of the hadith in a question, who narrated it, from whom, from whom, from whom, and so on, all the way back to the Prophet Muhammad, peace and a blessing fall be upon him, in such a way that each of these narrators is known according to a specialized science called Al-Jarh wa Ta'deel of disparagement and endorsement, or the science of disparagement and endorsement, which we spoke about in our second gathering. If they were hesitant about a man, or they did not know whether he was honest or a liar, or there was some doubt or ambiguity involved, this hadith would be rejected no matter what its apparent value. This chain of narrators is called the Isnad. Where is the sound chain of narrators of those who memorized the gospel by heart and narrated it from Jesus, peace be upon him, to the disciples until it reached our own times? Where is the chain of truth? Uh, where is the chain of truthful, well-known men who narrated the gospel from its source until it was written down? It is a given in the science of narration that two conditions must be met. Every narrator should be trustworthy 
and the chain must be continuous. If the narrators are trustworthy, but the chain is interrupted in the sense that they did not meet or were not contemporaries of one another, then the hadith is rejected. If the narrators are trustworthy, but the chain is interrupted in the sense that they did not meet or were not contemporaries of one another, then the hadith is rejected. If one of the narrators was not trustworthy, even though they met, then the hadith is also rejected. What do you think are the chances of the Gospels if they are subjected to these principles? They were not transmitted from trustworthy men, and there is no continuous chain of narration between Jesus, peace be upon him, and those who came after him. If we give up all of these scientific conditions that are available when investigating matters and we apply the rule of confirming sound attribution of any ancient book to a certain author, then the way to do that is to have at least one copy that was written in the author's hand or one copy that was written at his time with his approval and agreement to what is it to what is in it. Does there exist a single copy of the four Gospels in its author's hand? The answer is that no such original manuscript or even a copy. Therefore, the answer is that no such original, again, the answer is that no such original manuscript or even a copy thereof exists. Should we close our eyes to the scientific principles of transmission so that this great and ancient theft might be ignored? Since when is the passage of time a, a reason to accept and affirm falsehood? If your family's property was confiscated by a family of professional thieves whose skill was in stealing family's properties and the second generation discovered the theft, should they have to take the matter to court in order to prove the theft or should they accept the system of the passing of time? This is the issue of the theft of hearts and minds in favor of false beliefs, which is even, which is even worse. The theft and alteration of the book of God is the worst crime, worse than the theft of real estate or land and the like. Professor of Gospel Studies, Bob. I can hardly disagree with the information that Abu Hamid has mentioned, but I have one point that is sufficient to demolish everything that he has said, which is that these four Gospels are inspired by God and we have a great deal of evidence to show that. If your father advises you to do something in his will, will you carry it out or not? Abu Hamid, what do you think, doctor? If we examine this issue from the very beginning, and I quote to you the confession of the author of the gospel that it is from him, uh, the result of his own ideas and it is not inspired to him or revealed to him. Will you be convinced? Open the Gospel of Luke to the first page and you will find these words. Let's go to the verses from verses 1 to 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. 
verse 1 verse 2 just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word therefore since i myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you most excellent theophilus this is verse 3 verse 4 so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught again i repeat the verses many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word therefore since i myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you most excellent theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught luke chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 did luke leave any room for interpretation did he leave any room for defense or justification can there be any admission or confession after that what is your justification if the one who wrote the gospel says that it has nothing to do with inspiration he clearly states that he is writing a story He states his source as those who came before not God. He stored, sorry, he states his source as those who came before not God. He highlights his own human efforts and said, "I myself have carefully investigated everything, so it has nothing to do with inspiration." He wrote this gospel for Theophilus. Does God send letters to individuals? Isn't this sufficient to rule out the idea that it was inspiration to Luke and the others? There is other definitive evidence too. Listen to what it says in the book of Jeremiah. But you must not mention the oracle of the Lord again, because every man's own word becomes his oracle, and so you distort the words of the living God, the Lord Almighty, our God. Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 30 or verse 36. In the manuscript of the Old Testament, in the Catholic uh, Mascon, in the Catholic Mascon Academy, it says that the books of the Old Testament contain things that appear incomplete and temporary, but it seems to be a real divine style. There is a clear admission of distortion in the American Encyclopedia. No copy written in the hand of the original author of the books of the Old Testament has come down to us. As for the texts that we do have, they have come down to us through many generations of scribes and copyists, and we have ample evidence which shows that the scribes uh, intentionally or otherwise changed the documents and manuscripts which it was their main job to write or transmit. Ellen G White Ellen G White acknowledging the existence of distortions alterations and contradic- contradictions says the bible that we read today is the result of the word of many scribes who in most cases were able to do their job of writing professionally professionally uh, but they were not infallible and god did not deem it necessary to protect them from error professor charles 
Janibar says, uh, perusing the Gospels alone is sufficient to convince us that their authors came up with clearly contradictory uh, descriptions of the same events and stories, which forces us, which forces us to conclude that they were not seeking reality and were not inspired by a proven history that dictates a certain series of events. Au contrary, each of them, au contrary, au, au contrary, each of them was following his own whims and desires, or on the contrary, each of them was following his own desires, his whims and desires, and his own agenda and organizing the contents of his book. In the myth of God incarnate, which was written by seven professors of uh, Christian theology in the British universities. It says, Western's Christianity accepted that the books of the Bible were written by a variety of human beings in a variety of circumstances and cannot be accorded a verbal divine authority. Similarly, Father uh, uh, Benoit says, the wording and form of description that results from a long evolution of tradition are not as authentic as in the original. Some readers of this work will perhaps be surprised or embarrassed to learn that certain of Jesus' saying, parables or predictions of his destiny were not expressed in the way we read them today, but were altered and adapted by those who transmitted them to us. Professor of Gospel Studies, Bob. Forget about all the criticism you have of the gospel, and I will put a practical question to you. Have you read the gospel? If you had read it, you would have seen divinely flowing through its phrases. Abu Hamid, the, an the answer in brief is yes, I have read the gospel. Here I would like to ask you a question. Isn't the revelation one and the one who revealed the gospel one? So how can these Gospels differ from one another if the one who revealed them is one? I will give you three quotations from the Gospel and you can imagine how many literal contradictions there are in this short story which occurred two days uh, before uh, Passover in which a woman poured perfume on Jesus, peace be upon him, and the disciples objected to her extravagance. The story was narrated by Matthew in chapter 26, verse 1, or verse, uh, sorry, verses 1 to 13, and John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. How many contradictions occur, occur in a short story such as this between the Gospels? 1. Difference in timing. Matthew says it happened two days before Passover. This is in 26, chapter 26, 1. But John says that it was six days before Passover. This is in John 12, uh, verse 1. Two, difference in location. Matthew says that this story took place in the house of Simon the leper uh, in chapter 26, verse 2. But John says that it happened in the house of Lazarus. Three, difference concerning the woman's name. Her name is unknown in Matthew, but John says that her name was Mary. Uh, Four, difference with regard to which part of the body the perfume was applied to. 
Matthew says that she poured the perfume on Jesus' head, but John says that she anointed his feet and wiped them with her hair. In John 21, verse 3, 5, difference concerning uh, who objected to that. Matthew says that the disciples of Jesus, peace be upon, objected to her extravagance and got annoyed, and he does not mention the name of the one who got annoyed. John says that the one who objected was Judas Iscariot. These are only a few differences in just one story. Give me any story from any page, then compare between the four Gospels. You will not find any agreement between them at all. How can the, revel the revelation, how can the revelation be one, and the Lord be one, and there be all these differences and even contradictions? The Gospels differ in reporting everything. Yes, everything. I will give you unlimited time. Examine every story that is narrated in the four Gospels and compare the wording, compare the numbers, compare the dates, compare the names mentioned in them, and you will realize for yourself whether the source of the Gospels is one or whether it was revealed from God or it was written by human beings. Not even Jesus, son of Mary, is free from disputes about his lineage, his status, his stories, his beginning, or his end. I reiterate that I will give you as much time as you want, but you will inevitably reach the truth before you pass away. One narrates it in one way, and another narrates it in a different way. They differ even in names, even concerning the name of Jesus, and in narrating the story of the end of his life. Dr. Dreamer, why don't you make excuses for the gospel as you make excuses for the Quran? Why don't you think positively? Why do you reject it out of hand? Why isn't it possible that all these reports are based on one report? It may be that the story was narrated in one way, but each book told in a different way. Abu Hamid, it is enough for me that you have given me this answer. Do not think that by giving me this answer that this is your answer only. Rather, it is the answer of popes and priests and all of the Christians. This answer that you are all agreed upon can only imply one of two scenarios, both or either of which we will accept from you. The first possibility is that each of the gospel writers narrated what he heard or saw, and this is an admission that it is not from God, rather it comes from various sources. Thus, it is, it is proven that attributing the gospel to God is false. But if you say that it is a fabrication against God, then the issue that it is from God is no longer valid. Dr. Dreamer, but what is it? that makes it reach this level of doubt despite the fact that you agreed with us in a principle that it is the words of God. Isn't God able to preserve it? Abu Hamid, do you think that if a man wrote a book and some of his students took it from him, then they inserted their own ideas into it and attributed it to their professor, then then they changed and altered it, adding and subtracting and opposed what their teacher said 
and fabricated lies against him, what would the professor do? The answer is that he would disavow this book and prove what they added was false. This is exactly what God did because when they told lies about God with regard to his books, God exposed them by making their lies obvious to everyone. He made their contradictions. He made their contradictions on one subject obvious to everyone. He made the most knowledgeable of people like you the weakest in defending his falsehood. He made the most knowledgeable of people like you the weakest in defending uh, this falsehood. He made the youngest followers of truth able to defeat the oldest among you who lived the longest believing this falsehood not because he is weak but because he is defending a lost cause. This is the first point. Secondly, do you have even one verse in which God guarantees to preserve the gospel or challenges the people with regard to its uh, preservation? The answer is definitely no. So the natural result is that this book would be altered and lost because there is no guarantee. Have you seen a father complaining to God about the death of his son or a son complaining to God about the death of his father knowing that God did not guarantee to keep them alive forever? What do you think if you have a caravan of goods that are not covered or insured and you want to send it to your country, but you have to send it through an area where there are thieves, lawlessness, and gangs of robbers? Do you think that the caravan will arrive safely? The answer is that it will never arrive safely because it is uncovered. The same is true of the gospel. It is not covered by the protection of Allah. Uh, it does not have any divine protection or insurance. What I said about the caravan is also what happened with the gospel. Moreover, the stages which the protectors of the gospel and the disciples went through are stages where they were unable to defend themselves or their gospel or Jesus, peace be upon him, himself. Do you think that if the owners of the caravan were, were unable to defend themselves, they would be able to defend their goods? They are going to abandon everything and seek refuge in the trees and caves in order to save their lives. Isn't this logical and rational? Is anyone here unaware of what injustice befell the companions of Jesus and his disciples and, his, and their followers? It was persecution that began with the crucifixion of the one who was made to look like Jesus, peace be upon him. This era did not last for just one or two days. Rather, it went on for a long time. In fact, it is still going on, but today it has taken on the form of intellectual terrorism because no one is allowed to suggest the idea that Jesus was a human or that he prompted pure monotheism or that he, sorry, or that he promoted pure monotheism or that he promoted pure monotheism or that he brought a gospel other than those which we know. That is not acceptable at all, and the one who says that, and the one who says that, may not be spurred punishment if the church hierarchy, uh, or their political of the church hierarchy, or their political servants get hold of him. Sorry, that is not acceptable at all, and the one who says that may not be spurred punishment if the church hierarchy or their political servants get hold of him. Professor of Gospel Studies, Bob. Yes, this is not acceptable at all, or even your Quran test, uh, or even 
your Quran testifies that the Torah and gospel have not been changed. There are two verses in, the, in your Quran which prove that. I have not memorized the two verses, but they contain a clear evidence that God commanded the people of the gospel at the time of Muhammad to judge according to the gospel. This indicates that it was preserved until that time. Otherwise, how could you have enjoined them to judge according to a distorted book? Moreover, in your religion, there are commands issued during the life of Muhammad to all those who came after him until the day of resurrection. Is that not so? This means that it is preserved until the day of resurrection, and this testimony alone is sufficient. Abu Hamid, you mean the two verses in which Allah says, uh, and in their footsteps, we sent Isa, Jesus, son of Maryam, Mary, confirming the Torah, uh, Torah that had come before him, and we gave him the Injil, uh, gospel, in which was guidance and light, and confirmation of the Torah that had uh, come before it, a guidance and an admonition for the pious. Let the people of the Injil gospel judge by what Allah has revealed therein. And whosoever does not judge by what Allah has revealed therein, uh, by what Allah has revealed then, such people are the rebellious. This is chapter Al-Ma'idah, table spread, chapter 5, verses 46 and 47. Even though you are, you are quoting the Quran, I'm not going to drift away from my commitment to hold a rational discussion with you. As for quoting this as evidence that the Torah and Gospel have not been distorted, one of two scenarios must apply. Either you believe in the Quran, which is something that you denied altogether, or it comes under the heading of proving you wrong by means of what you said. Based on this, you should quote other verses so long as you are speaking of the same topic. If you do not know it, then I will tell you because your argument will be proven wrong based on the same sources that you quoted. The Quran itself proves that these books were distorted and it says in the same surah, Surah Al-Ma'idah, the table spread, it says, O Messenger, let not those who hurry to fall into disbelief grieve you of such uh, who say we believe with their mouths but their hearts have no faith and of the jews are men who listen much and eagerly to lies listen to others who have not come to you they change the words from their places they say if you are given this take it but if you are not given this then beware and whomsoever allah wants to put in trial you can do nothing for him against Allah. Those are the ones whose hearts Allah does not want to purify. For them there is a disgrace. For them there is a disgrace in this world and in the hereafter a great torment. Al-Ma'idah chapter 5 verse 42. This is the first point. Secondly, think deeply about the verse where Allah says, let the people of Injil gospel judge by what Allah has revealed therein. Does the verse say, judge by what the Jews and Christians have tampered with thereof, or does it say, judge by what Allah has revealed therein? Thirdly, the, the verse says, let the people of the Injil judge. Are those who distorted the gospel people of the gospel or enemies of the gospel? Are those who distorted the gospel people of the gospel or enemies of the gospel? Listen carefully, my friend. 
for I am addressing you on the basis of the words in the same verse that you quoted to me. Fourthly, Allah says, by what Allah has revealed therein. By what Allah has revealed therein. So Allah alone is the one who revealed it. And the word anzala, revealed, indicates that it was sent down by him from one, one high, from on high to one who is below. In such cases, Allah usually revealed to one of his slaves in order to raise him to the status of prophethood. The gospel itself acknowledges the servanthood of Jesus, peace be upon him, repeatedly when it calls him the son of man. And it also acknowledges the prophethood and messengership of Jesus, peace be upon him. In the gospel of Matthew, it says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Matthew chapter 21, verses 10 and 11. The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Matthew chapter 21, verses 10 and 11. This is a testimony of those who saw him with their own eyes and saw his uh, miracles. Not one of them said that he was God or the Son of God. Similarly, we find that the Gospel of Luke, it says, Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Luke chapter 7 verses 11 to 16. Is this not sufficient evidence of the humanity of Jesus, peace be upon him? The word revealed confirms the, the root the word revealed confirmed the root by which Allah revealed it to Jesus, peace be upon him, as he revealed it to the prophets who came before him, and he revealed it after, uh, after him to Muhammad, peace and the blessing of Allah be upon him. You're quoting this verse as evidence obliged us, obliged us to state that Jesus is a servant or a slave of God and one of the messengers of God, and he is not God. Do you say this? Fifthly, do you know that the story which was the reason for revelation of this verse indicates that one of the rulings of the Torah was confirmed as well as indicating that the Jewish scholars and leaders concealed it? It is proven, it is proven that a Jewish man committed adultery with a woman and this verse was revealed. I will relate the story to you as it was narrated with sound chain, chains of narration. A number of authors of books of hadith, including Abu Dawood, author of Sunan Abi Dawood, narrated from Abu Huraira, many, may Allah be pleased with him, that he said, a Jewish man and woman committed adultery, and the Jews said to one another, let us go to this prophet, for he is a prophet who was sent to make things easy. 
if he issues a ruling that is less than stoning, we will accept it and plead on that basis before Allah and say that it was a ruling from one of your prophets. So they came to prophet, so they came to the prophet, peace and a blessing of Allah be upon him, when he was sitting in the mosque with his companions and said, O Abu Al-Qasim, what do you think about a man and woman who commit adultery? He did not speak a word until he came to their school and stood at the door. Then he said, I adjure you by Allah, I adjure you by Allah, who revealed the Torah to Moses. I adjure you, to, uh, I adjure you by Allah, who revealed the Torah to Musa. What do you find in the Torah about the one who commits adultery? They said his face is to be blackened and he is to be paraded and flogged. Paraded means that the two adulterers were to be seated back to uh, back on a donkey and taken around. A young man among them remained silent and when the Prophet peace and the blessing of Allah be upon him said uh, and, and when the Prophet peace and the blessing of Allah be upon him saw that he was silent, he adjured him emphatically. He said, by Allah, as you have adjured us, we find stoning in the Torah. The Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, said, When did you begin to take the command of Allah lightly? He said, A relative of one of our kings committed adultery, so the ruling of stoning was waived in his case. Then a man from a common family committed adultery, and they wanted to stone him. But his people intervened and said, Our Companion will not be stoned until you bring your companion and stone him. So they reached a compromise concerning this punishment. The Prophet, peace and blessing will be upon him, said, I will judge according to the Torah. And he ordered that they be stoned. There is an incident which clearly shows that people concealed things and tampered with the Torah and gospel according to need. It was narrated from Ibn, Ibn Umar that the Jews came to the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, and told him that a man and woman among them had committed adultery. The Messenger of Allah, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, said to them, What do you find in the Torah about stoning? They said, We disgrace them and whip them. Abdullah bin Salam said, You're lying. It mentions stoning. They brought the Torah and opened it. One of them placed his hand over the verse that mentioned stoning and he read what came before it and what came after. Abdullah bin Salam said, lift your hand up, lift your hand up. So he lifted up his hand and there was the verse of stoning. They said, he is speaking the truth, O Muhammad. There is a verse of stoning. The Messenger of Allah, be peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, ordered that they be stoned. Abdullah bin Umar said, I saw the man shielding the woman from the stones with his body. If you ponder this hadith, you will see that all the Torah scholars who were present knowingly concealed their distortion of it until that one young man spoke up. Then Allah revealed these verses of the Holy Quran. Verily, we did send down the Torah or Torah, therein was guidance and light by which the prophets who submitted themselves to the to Allah's will judged for the Jews. And the rabbis and the priests too judged for the Jews by the Torah uh, after those prophets 
for to them was entrusted the protection of Allah's book and they were witnesses thereof or thereto and they were witnesses thereto therefore fear not men but fear me O Jews and sell not my verses for a miserable price and whosoever does not judge by what Allah has revealed such are the disbelievers and we ordained their end for them life for life life for life eye for eye nose for nose ear for ear tooth for tooth and wounds equal for equal but if anyone remits the, reta- the retaliation but if anyone remits the retaliation by way of charity it shall be uh, for him an expiation and whosoever does not judge by that which Allah which Allah has revealed such are the wrongdoers and in their footsteps we sent Isa son of Miriam son of Mary Maryam confirming the Torah Torah that had come before him and we gave him the Injil gospel in which was guidance and light and confirmation of the Torah Torah that had come before it a guidance and admonition at a guidance and an admonition for the pious let the people of the Injil gospel judge by what Allah has revealed therein and whosoever does not judge by what Allah has revealed then such people are the rebellious to Allah chapter al-ba'idah table spread chapter 5 verses 44 to 47 sixthly the phrase by what Allah has revealed implies that it was obligatory to follow the Torah in the days of Moses peace be upon him and after that then when Jesus peace be upon him came and God revealed the gospel to him it became obligatory to follow both what was in the Torah and what was in the gospel because they were both what Allah had revealed if we differed concerning the ruling of God we were to follow the latter and we were not to use the words of God against one another then when God sent Muhammad it became obligatory upon mankind to follow all that God had revealed in the Torah gospel and Quran if there is any difference concerning a ruling then the dif- the reference point in the last book that God revealed is this not the verdict of reason and justice this is a ruling that is accordance this is a ruling that is in accordance with the text and com- com- commentary of the verse but it does not mean that there is a contradiction between what God revealed first and what he revealed last rather he says to each among you we have prescribed a law and a clear way al-maida table spread chapter 5 verse 48 seventhly think about the quranic verse and the words of god and we gave him the injil gospel the verse confirms beyond any shadow of doubt that jesus peace be upon him had a gospel which god revealed to him but where is that gospel eighthly is it sufficient merely to put the label of gospel on rulings for them to actually become the gospel rulings is it sufficient merely to put the label of gospel on rulings for them to actually become the gospel rulings if that were sufficient then anyone who wanted could contribute anything he wanted and speak in the name of whatever he wanted and others would have to believe him whoever wanted to whoever wanted to could issue whatever rulings he wanted and others would have to listen and obey if simply giving a name were sufficient then the prophet muhammad peace and peace be upon him would have believed 
the most knowledgeable of the children of Israel with regard to the penalty of the married adulterer because of the qualification that they had and because they were speaking in the name of the Torah and he would not have believed that young man who had little experience. What matters is what matters is not numbers or names, what matters is reality. Ninthly, yes, we say let the people of the Injil gospel judge by what Allah has revealed therein. And I do not think that you will disagree with us concerning that. Will you agree to everything that God has revealed in the gospel? No doubt your answer will be yes. So what would you say if I show you the command to follow Prophet Muhammad, peace and a blessing of Allah be upon him, in more than one place in the gospels? I will leave the matter to you to think about. Will you be able to say after all of this that the Quran bears witness that the gospel has not been distorted? Alhamdulillah. I'll stop here and I'll finish later on. That's the end of book one, uh, part 11.